T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Welcome back. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Joe Giglio with you. Tucker Bagley's behind the glass. You guys with us. 215-592-9494. It's how you hop aboard on this Wednesday. And I'm starting to feel it now. Wednesday's like that turning point where the week starts moving along here. We're like halfway through. I can um, I can start feeling I heard the promo there. We're going to have extended pregame coverage Sunday. I'll be at the link with Glenn Mack now and Hugh Douglas from 10 to 12 before the official pregame show. I guess it's going to be us. Then countdown to kickoff, then the pregame show, and then the game, 3 o'clock. I can't wait for Sundays. We know the what's the weather looking like for Sunday? Sunday we are looking at how cold? Upper 30s? I think we talked to Howard about this last night off the air because he's uh, was playing whether he's going to wear the coat or not. High, high of 50, low of 35? That's not too bad. I'll take that for the last weekend of January. Yeah, I, I'm in on that. Um, 50 degrees out there from 10 to 12 can't wait uh, for the extended pregame show. All right, we'll get back to the phone lines in a minute here. And, I, and I, I'm curious where you're following this. If you think I'm being unfair to Jalen Hurts, I'm, put, I'm pitting the game on him on Sunday. It's just not a – I know it's a team game. We all recognize how football is won and lost. But I, I am putting this squarely on him. If Jalen Hurts plays like he has for the entirety of the season, the Eagles are going to the Super Bowl. I truly believe that. The, the Niners can't come in here and beat them if Hurts plays the way we are accustomed because I think they will they will hold down Brock Purdy and take and get the ball away from him a couple times. But if Jalen Hurts struggles or Jalen Hurts you know has a tough day against a great defense, they can lose, and I think they probably would lose in that case. 215-592-9494. Agree, disagree. Uh, am I being unfair to put this one on Jalen Hurts? All right, so we have that, and then we're going to play this for you because I, I think this is an interesting little subplot for a Sunday. And just moving forward, it's something to keep an eye on. I mean, the Eagles have a lot of big-name, high-profile skill players, and they all want the football. They all want stats, right? That's the way these guys are. And that's and it's worked out great this year. They've played as a team. But A.J. Brown on Saturday, I thought it was noteworthy how – I'm trying to think of the, the right word – kind of demonstrative he was on the field, on the sideline. And I couldn't tell in the moment, was he just upset because he didn't get the football? Was he hurt? You know, and, and frustrated because he got hurt. I mean, I think we've all seen athletes do that where they pull a hamstring or they tweak something and they're like, ah, oh, not now. This is the biggest game of my life. This is the biggest, you know, month of my career. Not now. So I couldn't tell. 
But then after the game, Sirianni didn't hide it, that he was you know, a competitor and he's a receiver and he wants the ball. And today, A.J. Brown didn't hide it. Here's what he had to say about everything we saw on Saturday night. It's just not nothing to worry about. Like I said, I'm focused on this week. Um, we, and um, I'm ready to go. No injury. I'm just ready to go. That's all y'all need to worry about. <laughs> it's all you need to worry about. He's ready to go. Um, he, my take on it is this. He was clearly frustrated, but he's not letting it linger. But I do think this, and we talked about it last night, Tucker, a little bit. I, I do think the Eagles and Jalen will make an effort to get him the football early on Sunday. I mean, that's been a big Nick Sirianni thing and something he's done the whole season, and you could probably look back at last year, although they didn't have the weapons necessarily to, to be demanding the ball like this. And I think if you look at the game plan, I mean, we talked about it so much last week that Dallas Goddard was going to be a big part against those Giants mm-hmm. linebackers and safeties over the middle being a main part of the passing game, and he was, right? He was one of the reasons why they built up that early lead uh, against New York, and I think against San Francisco, that kind of flips. Like, they have the best linebacking core in the NFL, and if you're going to beat them, you're going to beat them on deep shots. You're going to try and beat guys like Diamador Lenore, and you're going to line up A.J. Brown on the left side of the offense, and you're going to see if you can beat them deep two or three times. I think this is a game where both he and Devontae Smith are the Eagles' big biggest advantage on the offensive side of the ball. Well, think about it. The last couple of years, those are their biggest investments on the offense in terms of capital. I mean, they used a first-round pick and money, first and third-round pick and money to bring A.J. Brown in here. There's a first-round pick on Devontae Smith. Like, look, if we're going to, you know, go down with your best, you give the put the ball in the hands of your best, and I think that it should be the game plan, and I think this week we'll see a very focused and a very – I think we're going to see a very good A.J. Brown. I expect a big performance out of A.J. Brown on Sunday against the Niners. 215-592-9494. Bill is in Springfield. Bill's on WIP. Hey, Bill. Bill, we'll put you back on hold. I'm not, was, what do we think there? Is that a dog in the car? I hope it was him eating because that was my first thought. It could have been. But it sounded like he was eating the phone. Yeah, I mean, you get hungry, you get hungry. I don't know what to tell you. Um, yeah, that sounded, I mean, obviously it was in the car. You could hear that. You could hear us, so the, the background noise of the radio. I mean, those were some tremendous chomps, if that was Bill himself. I mean, enjoy whatever the, din- the dinner is, um, Bill. We won't get in the way. Mike's in Norristown. What's up, Mike? Hey, what's going on, guys? How hey, you doing? Good, Mike. What are you thinking tonight? I totally agree with you, man. Um, I think that it ain't. It, um, it has to be on Jalen. I agree. It he has to play his best game for us to win, and it comes down to the quarterbacks. And I think the reason that Dallas lost to San Fran was because of Dak. They had two turnovers in the red zone. If he don't make them turnovers, they would have beat San Fran. I think they they should have won. Yeah, the game so was the, the game. Down. Mike was there for the taking. I mean, they only and yeah. Dallas only lost by a touchdown anyway. Then even yeah. even with Dak throwing two picks. Yeah, if he didn't throw them two picks, that could have been in ten points, which they could have won the game. It comes down to who turns the ball over less. So definitely comes down to that. And he's our guy, man. He got us here, and he's going to take us there. I think that he's going to do some quarterback. He's going to have some rushes. He's going to get some. He's going to get some positive. He's going to have some positive runs for us. He might. I think he's going to run for like 75, 80 yards for us. I you know, Mike. I, I think you're on to something. I was thinking about this last night, Mike. You know, and I appreciate the phone call. So you think about the Niners' defense. Right, Tiger just mentioned they're susceptible deep passes down the field, especially on the left side. But down the field, you could throw the ball on them on the outside. Uh, that's where they're susceptible. They're they're great against the run. I, I know everyone's going to be 
smashing their hand against the table saying, run the ball on Sunday. I don't, I don't know if the run game is going to work much. Even with the Eagles offensive line, I, I'm not sure the the run game, the, the traditional run game, Miles Sanders, Kenny Gainwell, Boston Scott, I'm not sure how much they're getting there. I mean, if they if they can average close to four yards a carry, I would, ta- I would sign up right now for that. I, I don't think they're going to run the ball – Anywhere close to the way they were able to run it against the Giants. I just I I think the Niners are just too sound and too good against the run. So you can't really run it on them. They have a great pass rush. You could throw it down the field. And you can't throw it over the middle. They are incredible over the middle with those two linebackers, Dre Greenlaw and and Fred Warner, those guys are unbelievable. It's like a Philadelphia dream to have linebackers like that. Those guys are ridiculous. The one play on Sunday where Warner was flying down the field covering CeeDee Lamb out of the slot. That's just nuts. So it's I think it's going to be a challenge for Jalen Hurts to, to throw the ball over the middle, which he improved at this year, and they do it more. But that might not be the best way to do it this week. I do think Jalen Hurts' legs are going to be a big part of this game. Now, last week he showed he's willing. He did it. I don't. I didn't think it was a gigantic part of the game plan, but they did it enough. I think it's going to have to be a bigger part of the game plan because if it's tight coverage over the middle, I could see Hertz saying, "My my best shot here to convert a first down is to scramble and to try to get five or six, and and that could add up." It would not surprise me at all if Jalen Hurts runs for 50, 60, 70 yards in this game. I, I think those are all big possibilities, and and they might need him to to move the chains, to stay on the field, to convert first downs, and. I'm totally okay with that. Brandon is up on WIP. Hey, Brandon. Joe, I wanted to also echo that last caller and agree with you, but uh, just kind of to go deeper with it. Whether it's fair or not, in these these two levels, the uh, NFC Championship game, the Super Bowl, the quarterback's legacy is defined. Yep. It, it, it just is. And kind of, and sort of, that's where it begins. That's where it ends. Donovan McNabb, you mentioned him earlier, but I'd like to go deeper with that. He had not great weapons, uh, but I'm also encouraged with the progress Jalen's made this year and the reads he's made. But let's not fool ourselves. He's going to get up against a defense. He hasn't played yet this year. The closest one he's played was the Dallas Cowboys when they were number one in the league Mm -hmm. in week number six, and they put up 26 points. I like the decisions he makes, the fakes, the running backs. I agree they're not going to be able to run the ball, but I don't want to see them uh, give up on the, the running backs. I think they could be involved in other ways, maybe wheel routes, other ways in the game, to not just have the 49ers tee off when uh, when Jalen runs or or the receivers downfield, I I think the Eagles are going to have to find creative ways to outthink D'Amico Ryan's, which is going to be very tough to do. But they've done this coaching staff and this quarterback. It's their moment to really prove that they where they've come from. Yeah. Well, it is, uh, and Brandon, it's what you said is the absolute truth about quarterbacks. Whether whether it's fair or not, it's how this works. I mean, it, it's you know, last year, just use Joe Burrow for an example because he's in the same timeline as Jalen, same draft class. You know, he had a nice postseason, but it, it went to a different level when they won the AFC Championship game. Like that, that put him on a different stratosphere, and and the same could happen for Jalen Hurts. They get to the Super Bowl, he's in a different class now. Right. One other thought before I let you go, and that is. 
I liked what the Eagles did with Dallas in that week 5-6 matchup. They made Micah Parsons think rather than move forward all the time. And if they can do that with Nick Bosa, I believe they didn't cover Micah Parsons, but but they made him move laterally, choose what to do in a split second, which isn't his game. So if the Eagles can do that, I think it'll it'll bode well. But also then if if Jalen can make the right reads, I'm I'm actually very encouraged that that we played in a tough division and that that he t- simply is learning how to make good reads defensively against defenses. So we're I'm very hopeful. Yeah, I am too, and I and I trust him, Brandon. Appreciate the phone call. I, I don't think the moments to get to him to go back to the Donovan thing for a second because uh, I, I made the comparison earlier that you know th- this this is the moment. This, these are the games, championship games, Super Bowls that separate good from great. It, it's where the best quarterbacks jump their legacy, and the ones that are are good but can't get over the something they, they can't do it. And I, I look at Donovan McNabb like Donovan had some really good playoff games. His overall playoff. You know, you look at all those games. Uh, Donovan actually played 16 career playoff games. He won nine. He lost seven. A lot of his numbers are pretty similar to the regular season. Um, maybe some more interceptions than normal, but his completion percentage was kind of normal compared to where it normally was during the regular season. But it is interesting when you look at it. Obviously, there was one Super Bowl he played in, so those numbers are those numbers. But there's a major line of demarcation for Donovan in the first and second round of the playoffs compared to the NFC Championship game. I mean, it's just, it's stark. I mean, you look at some of his numbers here, you know, in this first playoff game, 73, 72% completion, 90.6 passer rating. The next year they win two playoff games, 64%, 65%, four touchdowns, passer rating in the 90s, title game against the, the Rams. 18 to 30, 171, one touchdown, one pick. They score only eight. They score only uh, score 24 points. Um, 73.1 passer rating. Next year NFC title game, the Tampa game here, 53% completion, zero intercept, zero touchdowns, one pick, 58.5% completion. Next year against Carolina, 10 of 20. I know he's playing with the rib injury. 10 of 22, 45% completion. 100 yards passing, no touchdowns, three picks. And I, and I also realized that the receivers, it, that was the point, the tipping point, and then they got T.O. the next year. But he played bad in those games. And even if you just want to look at it as simply as possible and look at their win-loss record, I know it comes up a lot, but he was, what, 9-7 and seven in the playoffs, you said? 8-3 and three when you don't include the NFC title game? Elite. That's good. If you win, you know, eight of eleven playoff games, you're a Hall of Famer. Yeah, this is the, this is always the part of the playoffs where we usually weed out the teams that don't really belong, like the, the Cinderellas, the teams like the Giants. Like that, I that's why I said all week last week. There's no way the New York Giants are playing in the NFC Championship game this year. We're just going to weed them out last round. Now there's no teams that don't belong. These are the four best teams in football. Probably the Bills were the fifth best team, but. You know they they showed their cracks the last few weeks or so, but these are the four best teams. Like now you there's no you you can't get by just playing okay. I'm putting this game on Jalen Hurts. He's the best player on this team. He's the most important player on this team. He's the MVP candidate, and he's a guy that's got to play his best game for the Eagles to advance this through. Bowl. two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. I also will trust the pregame here, which is delivered to you by PGW. PGW delivering safe. Reliable energy to Philadelphia for more than 180 years. PGW Energy 
for all of us. Visit pgworks.com for details. So the Sixers and the Nets tonight. It does sound like Joel Embiid is good to go. All right, I got a thumbs up for Tucker. Joel Embiid, as usual, is a game-time decision. He's been that. uh, I mean, I've lost count of how many times over the years. So he's a game-time decision, but he's in. Joel is going to play in this game, which does give us way more theater for this game than normal. Um, And Ben Simmons is back. I I wonder, will the vitriol in the building be what it was last year? Do people – I mean, I'm not saying this town has softened on, on Ben like, you know, Let's say like a certain certain person that we have in here from six to seven twice a week. But do do people is it gonna be the same or is it gonna be a little more tepid tonight than last year? I'm just excited and beaten Simmons will be on the court for the first time together. Yes. Right? Because even though Simmons did play here earlier in the season, right? But Embiid didn't play. That's right. And then obviously when they came last year, Simmons didn't play and Embiid did. The first time that these two guys will do and will it live up to the hype? Probably not. I'm sure they'll shake hands before the game and won't ever really be near each other throughout the game, but I'm excited to see that more than anything else. So here's my wonder on this. Will Joel give the crowd what it wants? And I'm not saying he's going to intentionally hurt Ben Simmons or anything, anything like that. I don't think that would happen. But if Ben's going to the basket, and Ben probably will shy away from the basket if Joel is near it, but if Ben is going to the basket... Will Joel give him a little foul? Like, will Joel? Because that, I mean, that's the ultimate showmanship here, right? Like, if you could pick one thing you want watching Ben Simmons here in Philadelphia, you want him, one, number one, to go to the line because he's going to miss the shots. But two, like, a, a purpose foul. Like, I, I mean, like a, an old school hard foul. Again, no one's looking to get anybody hurt here, but will, will Joel deliver on that or is it just going to be smiles and giggles and we play basketball? I hope he does. And I'm, obviously, I don't hope he fouls Ben Simmons, but. A block, a chase down, something, something of that like nature. That. Yeah, I think that's the only way they clap. Like I don't know if he'll dunk over Ben Simmons. I don't know if Simmons will be in that situation, but it would be interesting. If you look at Ben Simmons' numbers; he's averaging five points per game over the last month. Yeah, I don't think he's gonna be near the basket much. Up PJ Tucker numbers. Yeah, and, but that's the play. I mean, he's obviously become uh, an ultimate role player. And that, and now tonight, as far as the game itself, no Durant. He's still a couple weeks away. That does take some of the juice away because I, I, I think we are. I mean, we're trending towards these two teams having a real chance to play each other in the postseason this year. So right now, Eastern Conference, the Sixers are the two seed, and Brooklyn is the four seed, but only by a half game over Milwaukee. Like I, I think there's a real chance these two teams could end up in the same quadrant, could end up playing each other in the second round of playoffs, which would be that would be awesome. Like imagine a playoff series, seven games, Simmons on one side, Kyrie, Durant. And then I just think it'd be great to see. And then the other part about tonight that's uh, – it's it's a big game. I mean, the Sixers are trying to continue to play great basketball, which they have. They're 8-2 and two in their last 10. They swept the road trip. I mean, they – it's funny. The Sixers flew under the radar in a good way for them in late October, early November. Remember when the Sixers were terrible early in the season and no one paid attention because we were swept up in an undefeated Eagles season? And a Phillies World Series trip. So that that flew under the radar. You know what else is flying under the radar now? How well the Sixers have played because of an Eagles playoff run, an Eagles season, and maybe a trip to the Super Bowl coming up by Sunday. So it's funny. The whole Sixers season in a weird way has flown under the radar. The bad and the good. They're playing really good bad. They swept the road trip out west. When did, that hasn't ever happened. And, and some of those games were not against bad teams. Like Clippers and, and, and Lakers are average. You know, the, the Jazz are not very good. But at the end, like, they beat the Kings on Saturday. They beat the Kings without two of their best players. Like, that was a heck of a win. 
Yeah, and they obviously have tougher games coming up. They have the Nets tonight. They have the Nuggets on Saturday. Yeah, the schedule's going to get tough. games against Boston down the line here. But they're stacking wings to the point where they're only two games behind Boston in the loss column right now. I mean, what they've done, being able to stack these wins, and I feel like we had a similar conversation around this time last year when the Sixers got hot right before the Harden trade. I know they haven't played a lot of decent teams, but you're taking care of business, right? The same way the Eagles took care of business against bad teams like the Texans and the Colts. Say the same thing about the Sixers when they went and played, you know, Oklahoma City or, you know, Detroit or, you know, Portland, Sacramento, whoever it may be. They're winning games they're supposed to win, and as of right now, they're the hottest team in basketball. Yeah, they they are. They're playing really well. Tonight is a game without Durant. They You feel like they should win and beat in Durant, and obviously not in because he's injured. Sixers and the Nets. It should be a fun one, and the Sixers try to continue to matriculate up the top of the Eastern Conference. 215-592-9494. It is how you hop aboard on this Wednesday night. Are a lot to get into here. Am I being fair? Yes or no to Jalen Hurts by pinning this game on him. I believe this game will be won or lost on Jalen Hurts and how he plays. If he plays like himself, if he plays like we have become accustomed to this year, the MVP candidate, the Eagles are going to the Super Bowl. If Jalen Hurts struggles, turns the ball over, gives Brock Purdy easy short fields, the Niners are going to raise that trophy, and it's going to be a bitter disappointment. This game is on Jalen Hurts. Agreed, disagree. 215-592-9494. We'll come back your calls, and we'll dive into this whole snub thing with Nick Sirianni. A lot of people believe Nick Sirianni was snubbed in a chance to win coach the year. We'll dive into that. And you got to hear what Debo Samuel had to say about the Eagles, about the link, and about the loudest crowd out, not here, but in San Francisco. That's next on Sports Radio 94 WIP. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. (laughs) 
Welcome back. Sports Radio 94. WIP, Joe Giglio with you. Tucker Bagley behind the glass. You guys with us, 215-592-9494. If you eat when we go to you and your call is up, we reserve the right to take the audio of you chomping. I mean, that's, that's, those are the rules around here. I mean, it's, it's, we don't ask much out of the caller. You call and you want to be part of the show if you're chomping down on whatever. What do you think it was? <laughs> Burger? It Sh- sounded like the phone. <laughs> It's now, hard to get that sound. I know, but there's so many good places to eat around here. You can't be eating your own phone. All right, 215-592-9494. Tell you how Port Shio Capati's going to join the show at 8. Joe Shasky's going to join us, morning show host out in San Francisco. We may have to play this audio for you. Um, I saw this. It might have been his Instagram or Twitter. I forget where it was. Joe um, was at the Niners-Cowboys game on Sunday, and he like did like a selfie video as he walked out of – what do they call that place now? Levi Stadium? I think it's Levi Stadium. He like was doing that and like walking down the tunnel. Uh, if it is clean, I will we'll have to play as we, we bring him on the show later because he was all fired up and he can't wait to come play the Eagles here this week. So we'll talk to Joe coming up later in the show. You'll hear what Nick Sirianni had to say today, but I want to play this for you because I, I don't think anyone in this city needs any extra reason to get loud on Sunday. But if you needed any, how about this? Debo Samuel. I, I mean, I, I guess there's a compliment involved here, but it seemed a little backhanded to me. Debo Samuel talking about Philadelphia, knowing what to expect, and it's loud, but not you know as loud as some places. Here he was today. We know we know it's going to be loud, uh, you know, um, but no stadium is as loud as ours. But at, at the end of the day, you know, they're at home, NFC Championship, they're going to be all riled up, and you know, it don't it don't really too much. We don't really too too much feed into all that. You know, we put the pads on and just go to work. We know we know. It's- he knows. He knows. Uh, and look, they've played in a lot of big games over the years on the road in Green Bay and Los Angeles. I'm sure they're not. They're going to be shocked at how loud it is here. But I mean, Debo, you could pander all you want. You don't have to lie. The Levi Stadium crowd is not as loud as it's going to be here. I mean, he doesn't have to lie to us. Yeah, but I don't. I don't know what else you expect him to say. Like, I, I think it's silly. I think it's a little ridiculous. But imagine if Debo Samuel came out and said, "Yeah, we're worried. I don't even know why we're showing up." I mean. We played at Levi Stadium. It sounded like a cemetery compared to what we're going to hear on Sunday. The, our fans, not as loud as their fans. I know it. He, of course, he's not going to say that. But anything like that is just going to rile everybody up here more. I mean, and it's going to get loud. I mean, it's going to, and it and it needs to. Like part of this, I'm putting this on Jalen Hurts on Sunday. This is this game's on him. This win is on him. But part of this too, like we have a responsibility as a fan base here to put Brock Purdy in a situation that he's never been in before. I mean, I know Brock Purdy played a million games in the Big 12, and I'm sure he went into Norman, Oklahoma, where he played Jalen Hurts in, in, in 2019, and he went into you know Texas or whatever. I'm sure he played some big road games within that conference. It's not, it's not even on the same plane as what he's going to face here. And I guess he's only played two road games, right? So far in his, his young career was at Seattle, and is like a second or third star, and that's that could be obviously be a loud crowd. But then I think the other one was just at the Raiders. I think I think they've had a weird schedule where since he's come in, and then the number two seed, I, I would think most of his games have been at home. Yeah, home against Tampa at Seattle, they won twenty one thirteen. Home against Washington at the Raiders, so that was an overtime game. They mm-hmm. won thirty seven thirty four. Then home against Arizona, home against Seattle. Home against Dallas. And then he came in the game before the Tampa game, right? Miami's when he came in. And that was on the road. So what is it, 6-2? That was home as well, I'm sorry. 6-2? to two? 
Yes. Six of his eight games he's played at home. So very very comfortable environments for Brock Purdy to get you know get his feet under him. This will not be a comfortable environment here for him on Sunday, especially – I mean, I think back to the NFC title game against the Vikings. Uh, that place when Patrick Robinson returned the pick, the, the pick for the touchdown, I mean, it just – it just the loud. It was so loud, and if we have a moment like that, it's going to be enormously loud. And it's the kind of the, that was the moment you felt like Keenum never recovered in that game from a play like that. Same thing here could happen to 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 Brock Purdy on Sunday. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. All right, let's get into the Sirianni thing because I I just I found the reaction this morning frankly ridiculous. So. Nick Sirianni, now, first of all, before we get into the logistics of this, it, it seems like there was conflicting reports or conflicting things being put out there. Nick Sirianni, at first, some people had shared a graphic that he was a finalist, a top five finalist for the coach of the year. Pretty quickly after this morning, uh, Rob Motti of, of the Associated Press, uh, Rob you spent a lot of years here in Philadelphia covering Sports and being on air. Rob now, uh, I believe, lives in Florida, covers the NFL at large for the AP. He, he would know. Like, he, he knows who the finalists are for all these awards. That's his job. He quickly put out afterwards that Sirianni's not actually a finalist for the Coach of the Year award. The final three, the three finalists, top three vote getters, Kyle Shanahan, Doug Peterson, and Brian Dable. And and I don't, I don't just mean this as, you know, just random people just on social media screaming like, even we put up at WIP that Sirianni was snubbed. We put a post up that Sirianni was snubbed for coach of the year. I don't think Nick Sirianni was snubbed. I, I, Nick Sirianni had a, a nice year. I mean, he, he did a really good job. But I said it in December, and I will stick by it now. He cost himself coach of the year when they lost the Saints at home. That's the bottom line. The Eagles had a chance, and I think it would have cemented Sirianni. And this is a—I consider this a close race. There's like five or six coaches that had, you know, overachieving kind of seasons to where they were better than people perceived the team to be. Sirianni, Shanahan, considering the circumstances, obviously overachieved. Dable overachieved. Doug Peterson overachieved. I'd say Pete Carroll overachieved. Dan Campbell overachieved. There was a lot. I mean, I, I think you could make a real case for six or seven or eight coaches to be the next. Kevin O'Connell, I know his team, we, we called his team a fraud all year. He wins 13 games, and it's like, you get no credit for that. Well, sure, I, I bet Vikings fans think he should be coach of the year, too. There's a lot of guys that could be coach of the year every single season. But I thought Sirianni had a chance to lock it up and win the coach of the year if he could have won a game without Jalen Hurts, and he didn't. And his team actually was sloppy without Jalen Hurts. I think it actually shined the light that Jalen Hurts was the engine that made this thing go. And not that Sirianni is a bad coach, but if we're giving credit, like there's three ways you can give credit to the Eagles this year. How the team was built, the overall strength of the roster. There's Howie's department. I think he's going to win executive of the year. The top player carrying the day and making it all work, Jalen Hurts, he probably would have won MVP if he didn't get hurt, but he got hurt. And the third way is the coach. The coach, you know, maybe taking and making the team better than the sum of the parts. I, I, I think the, the impact of Howie's roster building and Hertz's play, I put them above Sirianni. I, I think he did a good job, but Tucker, I don't think Nick Sirianni was snubbed. No, me neither. And I, I think part of the reason, as you mentioned it, there was a lot of skepticism around Nick Sirianni heading into the season. And even when they were on that winning streak, I, I think the prevailing sentiment around the Eagles were – 
Jalen Hurts is playing as an MVP, and he has the best roster in the NFL thanks to Howie Roseman, right? I think if you look at those three boxes that you just mentioned, two of them the Eagles had checked off in roster and MVP play by their quarterback. And I think most people kind of thought, well, as long as Nick Sirianni doesn't screw this up, they'll be okay. And when one of those elements was gone, when you removed Jalen Hurts from the recipe, Nick Sirianni had a chance to shine and just didn't. And it's not his fault that Gardner Minshew absolutely stunk the second game and didn't play that well in the first one. But I think a lot of people view this as Howie Roseman built a great team and Jalen Hurts played like an MVP. Nick Sirianni is there to look into the camera and not screw things up. Yeah, and whether that's fair or not, that's a that's a perception that's out there. Two one five five nine two ninety four nine four. Did you think Sirianni was snubbed? I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't upset that he's not a top three finalist. He did a good job this year. So did seven or eight coaches. They all can't be top three finalists. Like Pete Carroll took a team that people thought would win three or four games after they trade Russell Wilson away. They had Geno Smith, and they won nine games, and made the playoffs. That that is coach of the year, a kind of resume. He's not a finalist. Dan Campbell took a team that, you know, people thought, okay, maybe six or seven wins. M- maybe they were going to take the, the next step to being competitive. They, they, they were a, a tiebreaker away from making the playoffs. And down the stretch of the season, I, I believe the Lions actually were one of the 10 best teams in football. Now, they didn't make the playoffs. They couldn't show that. But he turned the Lions around. That is coach of the year kind of work. And, you know, we can go through these. I mean, my vote, if I had one, if I had, a, if I actually had a ballot, I would have voted Shanahan to go thir- to get thirteen wins out of three different quarterbacks, including Mister Irrelevant in the draft. That's a heck of a coaching job. I mean, Nick Sirianni had the fortune, and he gets credit too for his development, but he also had Jalen Hurts playing at an MVP level. It makes your job a little bit easier. When you've got that. 215-592-9494. Nick Sirianni was not a finalist, not a top three finalist for coach of the year. I'm okay with it. I, I, I'm not, I don't think it's egregious. I think Shanahan should win this thing. You know, Dable took a Giants team that had been irrelevant for a decade and put them in the playoffs. Uh, Doug Peters, who took a, a, a Jaguars team that was a joke a year ago when Urban Meyer was the coach, and they won their division. So I, I understand that a lot of people you know, like, like Sirianni and we want to give him credit for a good year he had, but it's not as simple as who has the best record, you get the coach of the year. If it was that, Andy Reid, number one seed, they he would be in the coach of the year conversation. He wasn't a finalist. Andy did a really good job too, especially they lost Tyree Kill. It's not just who has the best record. It's, it's a matter of the context. Sirianni had a great roster. He has really good assistants who will be head coaches. He had an MVP-level quarterback. It all plays in. Did the Eagles have a really good year? No no doubt. But I I don't think Nick Sirianni was a slam-dunk coach that was snubbed. That that didn't make sense to me when I saw that reaction across today. Mike is up on WIP. Hey, Mike. Hey, how's it going? Good, Mike. What are you thinking tonight? Oh, man, this talk about Nick Sirianni not being snubbed, totally snubbed. Well, I, listen, i got to disagree with you wholeheartedly. I mean, I, I, the Eagles went 14-3, and three, and people are just sort of like forgetting about last season. We snuck into the playoffs, backdoored it last year. We were not a good football team last year. We were a terrible football team well, last year. Well, they weren't terrible last year, Mike. They were, I would say that they weren't very good, but they weren't terrible. I know, but you're you're trying to say all these other you know coaches who turn teams around. I mean, nobody expected the Eagles to go fourteen to three this year. So 
So he deserves a lot of credit, I think. And if you really look at it, I think the Eagles are very well coached because they do not, and maybe I'm wrong, but from what I've just observed casually is they don't get a lot of stupid penalties. They're disciplined. They are. Yeah, I, I, I think he did a good job, and they're well coached, but he also has an enormous amount of talent. Like, this isn't like the Little Sisters of the Poor he's coaching here. Like, he's, co- he's coaching a team that has a, t- a ton of pro bowlers and a ton of uh, all-pro kind of players. Like, they should win a lot of games. One final point. Um, you had mentioned that he may have gotten more consideration if Jalen, if they would have won a game when Jalen mm-hmm. was out. Okay, okay, so let's say, let's follow your logic. If Jalen's that important to the team, don't you think he should be a strong consideration for um, MVP? You know, MVP. Y- yeah, yes, MVP. of course. And and he is, Mike. I mean, he, he's a finalist for MVP, and I, I appreciate it. Man, I, he's not going to win it. I think Mahomes is going to win the award because Hurts got hurt and and Mahomes pulled ahead. But, I mean, I I just think we have to recognize that there are a lot of good coaches that do good jobs. They There's only three finalists. So no matter like who, if you take Dable out, everyone in New York say say he was snubbed. You take Doug out, I don't know how many Jacksonville Jaguars fans there actually are, but whoever they are will say Doug was snubbed. You take Shanahan out, and people will say he won 13 games with three different quarterbacks: his second stringer Garoppolo and his third stringer Brock Purdy, who no one other than people that watched the Big 12 had any idea who Brock Purdy was until seven weeks ago. He's the last pick in the draft. And again, I mentioned Carroll. I mentioned Campbell. I'll give you one more. Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin started the year with Mitch Trubisky at quarterback. This was supposed to be the year that the Steelers finished in last place. Weren't the Steelers like 3-7 and seven at one point? 3-8? Something like that. They, they finished with a winning record. And if not for a tiebreaker, they make the playoffs. I, I think Sirianni did a really good job. And, and he doesn't have to... You know, take a backseat to anyone with the, with fourteen wins. I mean, that's that stands for itself. But I think snub is a strong word. We we can't. I I can't say everyone gets snubbed if if they don't win an award. It's like you know what it reminds me. It reminds me of the Joel Embiid MVP thing the last couple of years. No, he wasn't snubbed. Other guys had great years. I mean that that happens too. I I don't believe Nick Sirianni was snubbed. Snub would be if he is clearly the coach of the year. Clearly. Like, if you were writing down the best coaching jobs all season and it was far and away Sirianni and then he wasn't a finalist, that would be unfair. But I can I can make a list of – in fact, I'll, I'll do it right now. Coaches that I think did – had coach of the year kind of seasons. I'll, I'll just say it that way. It, like, that they, they did a good job enough that you can make a case coach of the year kind of season. I would say in that we could put Mike Tomlin, Doug Peterson – Andy Reid, who no one is talking about. He won 14 games again. I would put Sirianni. I'll put Dable. Kevin O'Connell. Dan Campbell. Pete Carroll and Kyle Shanahan in that mix. I think they all had coach of the year kind of season. What's that, like eight names I threw out there? That's a lot. They only have three finalists. So I I just, I think we have to accept he wasn't a finalist. Maybe he will be in the future, but I'm not. I'm not broken up about it. I don't think he was snubbed. Greg, is it Plymouth meeting? Hey, Greg. Hey, Joe. How you doing? Good, Greg. What are you thinking? Oh, I don't think he was snubbed, but I got to say, I don't know if Dayball belongs on the list. Cause I, I think that's where I'm more upset is, mm-hmm. like, Peterson and, and Dayball had, like, the same thing, right? They, they, they took this franchise from the middle of nowhere. They saved this QB's career. Great stuff. But Dayball still came in third in the division. So I think if there's anything, like – 
the guy that did win 14 wins, like, deserves to be over a guy that had nine wins and a tie. So, I don't know. I, I'll hang up and listen, but well, I, I just yeah. kind of feel like... I'm glad you brought that up, Greg, and, and I appreciate the phone call. That is a fair point, the third place thing. I don't, I, w- I don't think Dable should win it. I mean, he made the finalists. I, I've said since December, I would go Shanahan. But the third place thing is kind of interesting. I wonder how many Coach of the Years have ever won being in third place. Yeah, but didn't we spend all October touting a third-place manager to be manager of the year? We did, yeah. I just think it's a little hypocritical. But but that was also a, a unique circumstance, right? Like, Dable took over a bad franchise and turned him into a playoff team. So did Rob Thompson. Yeah, but he did it in the middle of the season. Right? Like, he, he was working like with one hand tied behind his back. Like, it wasn't like we just dropped Brian Dable in there in week five. It's like, go to the playoffs. Yeah, but, like, if you look at the calendar, I'm sure it's around the same amount of time. I guess. Um, I but that being said, do we think a coach of the year's ever won it in third place in the NFL? I would say no. I would doubt it. Also, just to give some historical context to all this, if Dable or Doug Peterson win, they're the first coaches, well, wherever, they'd be the first coach to win the coach of the year in the NFL with less than 10 wins since Jimmy Johnson in 1990. It just doesn't happen. Usually it goes to good teams. Now, not that the Jaguars and Giants weren't good, but they were more like, they're they're Okay. Right, the Giants got in because he had the bottom of the NFC was blah, and seven teams get in now, and they had a tie. And the Jaguars got in, let's be real. Doug did a good job, and he helped Trevor Lawrence figure it out, but they got in because that division's a tire fire. That's why they're in. I do think it's interesting we were higher on a lot of nine-win teams than like 10 and 11-win teams by the end of the season. Like the Jaguars and Giants? Yeah, over teams like the Ravens, or, or even you could throw in the 13-win um Vikings. Yeah. No, especially the Vikings. Vikings, everyone laughed at. They won 13 games. Yeah, o- I mean, O'Connell won 13 games. And a lot of those games were close games. You would think he'd get some credit for coaching situationally in close games. No one even mentioned that guy for coach of the year. It's weird. It's really odd because he kind of fits the profile of who normally wins coach of the year. Didn't they go like 8-9 last year, the Vikings? He took a big jump from where they were last year with Mike Zimmer to where he was this year. It's funny. The coach of the year is an odd... It is odd because it's like we have no – there's no criteria. It's just like all our perception versus the reality. Yeah, I mean, normally I guess it's whoever does best versus their preseason expectations. But for the most part, it's whoever the best first-year head coach was, right? Whoever, Whichever first-year head coach won their division or made a deep playoff run, he had the most wins of all the first-year head coaches. Yeah, I wonder how many I wonder how many coaches exceeded their win total more than Sirianni, though, if we're using that as the example, right? They're, they were 9.5. They won 14. Right. Four and a half? I don't know if there's... I, Pete Carroll... even if we want to talk about how terrible the Giants are supposed to be, I'm sure their win total was no more... Seven? Or no less than like six and a half or seven. Yeah, I think it was in that range. Pete Carroll may have exceeded their win total by by like a lot. They won nine, and I, I forget what the Seahawks remember, five and a half. So they're, that's in the same boat. I mean, I think Pete did a great job. Uh, as far as the other awards with the Eagles, Hurts a finalist for Offensive Player of the Year. My guess is Jefferson's going to win that award. Um... Reddick, not a finalist for Defensive Player of the Year. Now, there's there's a case you can make. There's a snub, right? I I we I think we all knew Bosa and Micah Parsons are going to be in the top three. One of those guys is going to win. It's probably going to be Bosa. I think you can make a case that Reddick belonged in the top three. That feels more snubby to me than Sirianni. I just think Defensive Player of the Year is very narrative driven mm. and very big name driven. And even though Hassan Reddick, I'm sure if you look it up, he's probably at least top five in sacks over the last three seasons, maybe top three. He still doesn't get the credit. Maybe that's anti-Temple bias on the part of the I, national media. I'm not media. sure if that's it. Yeah, I mean, it I, has to be, right? 
You should push that. This is all because he's from Temple. All classic anti-Temple bias that you see all the time in the NFL. Do you think the average NFL fans, NFL fan, not us here, knows where Hassan Reddick went to college? I doubt it. I think there's almost no chance most fans know that. I mean, we know it because he's here. I mean, Tucker is just, he's Mr. Temple. It's a big week. Hassan Reddick's getting a lot of pub this week. Temple knocked off, you know, Houston on Sunday. And now they're struggling with like an eight and twelve South Florida team. You had to see, you had to feel that coming, though, right? Like there's a natural high. One hundred percent. Yeah, you come down you off the high a little bit of beating number one, no question. Let's go to John, who's in school. Hey, John. Hey, what's going on, guys? What's up, John? What are you thinking tonight? Uh, I agree. Uh, it's not a snub. I mean, you're talking about a coach that. I mean, if anything else, I would say Howie Roseman, GM of the year. He put together an amazing team, and Nick Sirianni did what he had to do with that team to get them to where they're at, but. I agree. you got to look at the coach that did more with less, and that's just not Sirianni's case this year. If he had gotten us into a deep playoff run with a great record last year, then I think we have a case there. But, nah, I agree with you. Hassan Reddick's more of a snub than Sirianni is. Yeah, and Reddick, I mean, as the year progressed, I mean, he really – his numbers are defensive player of the year worthy. I'm not saying he's definitely better than, you know, Bosa or Parsons. Those guys were great, but – and he had he had the like he had the qualifications, Reddick. When you look at some of his numbers, forced fumbles, sacks, he was outrageous. I think his numbers are better than Parsons this year. I mean, I know he's got more sacks. I'm pretty sure he's got more forced fumbles, more tackles for a loss. That's just, just he should at least be in the conversation. If he doesn't win it, fine. Bosa's probably going to win it, but he should definitely be in that conversation over Micah Parsons this year. Is he a better player all around? Maybe, maybe not but definitely should be in the defensive player of the year conversation. Yeah, I think so too. And, John, I appreciate the phone call. Um, I, I saw a stat today that that the other – like the last 15 or 20 years, players that have had the statistical profile of Redick, like the forced fumbles, the sacks, they've won the award, the award, whether it be the you know T.J. Watt or, you know, whoever, Von Miller. You know, they, they've won the award when you play like Redick. Now, it doesn't mean in any individual year that means you have to win it with those numbers. And I do think Micah Parsons is asked to do some other things that, like, he's just a ridiculous player that could cover players out of the backfield. I, I don't know if it's numbers properly tell the story of how great Parsons is because he does a lot, other kind of things. But the bottom line is Reddick had a great year, and I, I would have had him third. Like, if I had a vote, I'd, I'd have Bosa, Parsons, Reddick in, in the top three. I mean, I, I would have put him third. And the Sirianni thing, it, it doesn't bother me. I would have voted for Shanahan. I think considering the circumstances in San Francisco, they lost. Like, the Eagles couldn't beat the Saints with Gardner Minshew, who we acknowledge is a higher-end backup. Couldn't beat him. They, could, they couldn't score. The, the Niners won every game with Brock Purdy, who no one knew who that guy was, you know, two months ago. That's coach of the year kind of stuff. I, I think Shannon's going to win this thing. 215-592-9494. It's how you hop board. We'll come back. Your phone calls next hour. You'll hear what Sirianni had to say today. We'll play his press conference for you. If you missed it, as the Eagles get set, back on the field today, full practice, by the way, for Jalen Hurts. And how about everyone out there, including Avante Maddox in a limited capacity, everyone on the field for the Eagles. You'll hear what Sirianni had to say today. We have a couple of great guests as well. Shil Kapadia joins us next. Wrote a great piece for The Ringer today about how the Eagles got to where they are now. One hour from now, Joe Shasky from 95.7 The Game out in San Francisco. Let's talk to Shiel next on Sports Radio 94 WIP. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. 
Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.